0: Genesis one in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. In spite of its name Genesis, which means beginning and in spite of its position as the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis isn't the beginning of everything. Genesis one reminds us in the beginning God, so before Genesis, redemption was planned. What was happening before God spoke the universe into existence? That may seem like an impractical, hypothetical question. But it isn't. After all, God doesn't act arbitrarily. Things don't occur to him. He knows all things. He has foreknowledge of all things. So God existed in sublime glory. God is eternal. He has neither beginning nor ending. Therefore, he is totally self-sufficient and needs nothing more than himself in order to exist or act. God needs nothing, neither the material universe nor the human race, and yet he created both. The divine trinity was in loving communion. In the beginning, God. Would be a startling statement to a citizen of the Ur of the Chaldees where Abraham came from, because the Chaldeans and all their neighbors worshipped a galaxy of greater and lesser gods and goddesses. But the God of Genesis is the only true God and has no rival gods to contend with. Such as you read about in the myths and fables from the ancient world, this one true God exists as three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This doesn't mean that God manifests himself in three different forms or that there are three gods. It means that one God exists in three persons who are equal in their attributes and yet individual and distinct in their offices and ministries. The doctrine of the Trinity wasn't clearly revealed in the Old Testament, because the emphasis in the Old Testament is that God of Israel is one God, uncreated and unique, the only true God. Worshiping false gods or their neighbors was the great temptation and repeated sin of Israel. So Moses and the prophets hammered away on the unity and uniqueness of Israel's God. The divine trinity planned redemption prior to creation. The wonderful plan of redemption wasn't a divine afterthought. For God's people were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and given by the Father to the Son both to belong to his kingdom and to share his glory. The sacrificial death of the Son wasn't an accident. It was an appointment. For he was slain from the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, 8. In the councils of eternity, the God had determined to create a world that would include humans made in the image of God. Their father was involved in creation. God didn't create a world because he needed anything, but he, he might share his love with creatures who, unlike the angels, are made in the image of God and can respond willingly to his love. According to Ephesians 1, 3-14, the plan of salvation is Trinitarian. That is, we are chosen by the father in verses 3-6. to Purchased by the Son in verses seven to twelve and sealed by the spirit in verses thirteen to fourteen and all of this is to, is to the praise of God's glory verses 6, 12, and fourteen. The Father has given authority to the Son to give eternal life to those he has given to the son john seventeen one to three all of this was planned before there was ever a world ephesians one verses three to fourteen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual things in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, and to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, that he hath purposed in himself. But that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, and which are on earth, even in him, and whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted Christ, and whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, in whom also, after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. When he wrote the Bible, God didn't give us a ponderous theology book divided into sections labeled God, creation, man, sin, and so forth. Instead, he gave us a story, a narrative that begins in eternity past and ends in eternity future. It is a story about God and his dealings with all kinds of people and how they responded to those dealings. Into His Word. As we read these narratives, we learn a great deal about God, ourselves, and our world. And we discover that our own personal story is found somewhere in the pages of Scripture. And read long enough, and honestly enough, you'll meet yourself in different aspects, in different situations, and in different characters in the Scripture. And you'll think that is written just for you, and applies just to your situation. So what begins in Genesis is developed throughout the Bible, and then finds its fulfillment in the book of Revelation. In Genesis we have the first heaven and earth. In Revelation we have the new heaven and earth. In Genesis we have the first garden, the tree of life, guarded. In Revelation we have the garden city and the tree of life available. In Genesis we have the first marriage. In Revelation we have the last marriage, the marriage of the Lamb. In Genesis, Satan tempts Eve to sin. In Revelation, Satan thrown into the lake of fire. In Genesis, death enters the scene. In Revelation, no more death. In Genesis, Babylon is built. In Revelation, Babylon is destroyed. In Genesis, the Redeemer is promised. And in Revelation, the Redeemer reigns. There are many more comparisons and contrasts than these listed. But that gives you some idea of how important Genesis is to understanding the entire program of God, understanding the rest of Scripture, and seeing how the first things that happen in Genesis are developed throughout Scripture and culminate in the book of Revelation. So when God speaks, something happens. God creates. We see that in Genesis 1 and 2. All right, now let's look at Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There's four divisions in this verse. There's in the beginning, that's division one, God, that's number two, created, that's number three, and the heaven and the earth, that's number four. In the beginning, before the creation of time, the history or the origin of the universe and all that we know, Time is created. So before the creation of time, in the history, the origin of the universe is in the beginning, but also in that same in the beginning, time is officially created. And the second part, God, Elohim, the all-powerful three-in-one creator God. Then we look at the next part, created. God made it out of no pre-existent material. He created all out of nothing. And then the heaven and the earth created space, and matter in the beginning before the beginning of time there was none but that infinite being that inhabits eternity atheism makes no sense and atheists are the greatest of fools in nature for they see there is a world that could not make itself and yet they will not acknowledge there is a god that made it god the hebrew word is elohim el signifies a strong god and what less than an almighty strength could bring all things out of nothing plurality of the persons, the Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is indicated in the name of God in Hebrew, which speaks of him, as many as though he is one. Elohim, as many as though he is one, or the all-powerful Creator, as many as though he is one, or the all-powerful three-in-one Creator, God. He is one, confirming our faith in a doctrine of the Trinity, which though but darkly... Hinted at in the Old Testament, darkly indicated in the Old Testament, is clearly revealed in the New Testament. We are often told that the world was made by him, and nothing made without him. We see that in John 1.3, Ephesians 3.9, Colossians 1.16, in Hebrews 1, 1.2. He made it out of nothing, and there was no pre-existent material or matter in which he made it out of. And how it could be said that he, that Jesus created the world... In John 1 3, Ephesians 3 9, Colossians 1 16, and Hebrews 1 2 is because he is part of Elohim, the mighty three in one creator, God. God's world reflects his glory. In the invisible world it is easy to observe great variety. Several sorts of beings vastly different in their nature and constitution from each other. Great beauty, the blue sky, the vibrant earth are charming to the eye of the curious. Spectator, how transcendent, then, must the beauty of the Creator be. Great exactness and accuracy. And those who, with the help of microscopes, narrowly look into the works of nature, find that nature appears far more fine and complex than any work of art. Great power. The earth is not a lump of dead in an matter, but there is virtue in every creature. There is life. The earth itself has a magnetic power. Great order. There is a mutual dependence of beings, an exact harmony of motions, an admirable chain of events connections of causes. Everything works together in harmony, great mystery. There are phenomena in nature which cannot be explained, they cannot be solved. But from which we see of heaven and earth, we may infer the eternal power and Godhead of the great creator. Our duty as Christians is to always keep heaven in our eye and earth under our feet. Now all this we just talked about was for you, it was for me, it was for all of us. God, through his son, Jesus Christ, created the world. He created us. He created everything out of nothing. Because before the foundation of the world, he loved us. He thought of us. He knew us. He wanted us. He wanted a relationship with us. He wanted us to glorify His name. He wanted us to live for Him. He wanted us to have that relationship with Him. Before the foundation of the world, He knew sin would come into the world. He knew He would have to die for us. And He loved us that much that He still chose to create the world, knowing that man would sin, knowing that He would have to come, knowing that He would have to die and be crucified and tortured and shed His own blood and humiliated and die on the cross, to bear the sin and the iniquity of the entire world on him, our iniquity, our sin, on him, because he loved us, because he wanted a relationship with us. He gave us free will because he wanted us to choose that relationship. He didn't want robots. He wanted us to choose to have that relationship with him. He loved us so much that he still created the heaven and the earth. Knowing what was coming. Knowing that relationship with him, with Adam, and with Eve would be broken by sin. What broke their relationship? Sin broke the relationship. And what did they require as a covering? The skins of animals, the shedding of blood, is what was required to provide a covering for their sin. So the Old Testament is a picture of what Jesus would have to do in the New Testament. The shedding of blood in the Old Testament just covered their sin. They had to be repeated over and over again. But Jesus, before the foundation of the world, before in the beginning, knew all this was going to happen. The plan of redemption was in place. He knew what he was going to have to do. He developed it over the centuries, creating pictures and teachings and things that pointed towards the coming Redeemer. In Genesis 3.15, we know of a coming Redeemer already. He gives them knowledge of someone who is going to come and redeem them from their sin. Come and defeat Satan. Come and give them a final victory. All this because he loved us. All this because he loved me. All this because he loved you. What are we doing for him? How are we living our life for him? All this because he loved us. All this because he wanted a relationship with us. How are you living your life? Are you respecting that? Are you reciprocating that love for him? Are you living for him like you should? Are you making decisions in light of eternity, in light of what he did for us, in light of what he chose to do for us? We don't even have to exist. We don't have to be here. You exist because Christ loved you so much he wanted to give you the opportunity to exist, the opportunity to turn to him, the opportunity to have that relationship with him. John 1.1 tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. That Word is Christ, the pre-existence of Christ, the eternality of Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The triunity, the Trinity, the Word was with God. And the Word was God, deity of Christ. Christ created the world, Christ and God. And the Holy Spirit, the triunity, all mentioned here. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Made by who? The Word. With God. Is God. Christ. All things were made by Jesus. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus knowing he would have to die. Jesus knowing he would have to come and die on the cross. Jesus knowing he'd have to suffer that humility of the crucifixion, knowing he would have to shed his blood, still created us. With that foreknowledge of what was going to happen in the future, he still loved you. He still loved me. He still loved all of mankind so much that he wanted to do it anyway. He wanted to create anyway. He wanted to create man knowing what was going to have to happen, knowing what he was going to have to do. He loves us so much, desires a relationship with us so much that he's willing to do all of that so we can have that relationship with him. How are we reciprocating that? How are we respecting that? Are we disrespecting that? Are we living our own life in sin and we do not care what Jesus did for us? If we are not living and doing all we can to live by the Bible, by the teachings of the Bible, which is the Word, which is Christ's word, which is his love letter to us, if we are not trying to live by the word, obey the word, live in the word, with the word guiding our life, we are disrespecting Christ and we are saying we don't care what he had to do for us. It doesn't matter that he loved us so much. It doesn't matter that he had to come. It doesn't matter that he still created us in spite of our sinfulness. We don't care about that. We're just going to go do our own thing. Well, that is not right that is very disrespectful to christ that is very sinful that is very self-centered that is not a reciprocating loving attitude toward christ now notice in verse 4 it says in him was life who is him jesus in jesus was life and the life was the light of men what provides men with hope provides men with a light and that is christ that is his message that is his life that is his death that provides a light for men. John chapter 1. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus is the light in darkness. You have darkness in your life. That darkness in your life could be because of intentional sin. It could be because of circumstances you're just a victim of. That darkness. He is the light that shineth in that darkness. We need to accept that light. Darkness comprehended it not. Don't reject Christ. Don't reject his love. Accept him. If you've already accepted him as your Savior, turn back to him. Turn back to his light. Turn back to his shining light on your life. Follow his light. Dig into his light. Dig into his word. Live for him. Matthew Henry said, Light is self-evidencing and will make itself known. The eternal word as God shines in the darkness of natural conscience. Though men by the fall have become darkness, yet that which may be known of God is manifested in them. Romans 1, 19-20 The light of nature is the light shining in darkness. All mankind has an innate sense of something of the power of the divine word. Were it not for this, earth would be a hell. Blessed be God, it is not so yet. The eternal word shone in the darkness of the Old Testament types and figures, prophecies and promises which were of the Messiah from the beginning. Darkness comprehended it not. Most men received the grace of God in these revelations in vain. Mankind comprehended not the natural light that was in their understanding but became vain in their imaginations concerning the eternal God and the eternal word. Romans 1, 21 and 28. The darkness of error and sin overpowered and quite eclipsed this light. The Jews had the light of the Old Testament, yet comprehended not Christ in it. In the darkness of the types and shadows the light is shown, but such was the darkness of their understandings that they could not see it. It was therefore requisite that Christ should come both to rectify the errors of the Gentile world and to improve the truths of the Jewish church. If you do not have this light, why don't you accept this light? And if you've already accepted this light, why are you searching out darkness? Why are you letting this light grow dim in your life? Let the light shine in your life. Live to the light. Love the light. Embrace the light. Get into his word. Live like him, but if you do not have the light, accept the light. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, So that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Men love darkness. Love sinfulness. Sinful lifestyle. Rather than light. Rather than Christ. Rather than living for Christ because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. If you're dwelling in sin, living with a simple life, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. They don't come to the light, because they know their deeds will be reproved. The light will be on their sin and be highly visible. Conviction will come upon them, so they avoid the light. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. In the beginning, Jesus, the triune God, they all knew that Jesus would have to come and sacrifice himself, a lamb that was slain. It was always already predestinated before the foundation of the world. In the beginning, Christ loved us so much, he set all this emotion to give us life because he wanted that relationship with us. He wanted to have fellowship with us. He wanted us to to have that life with him, that life in the light. In the beginning, God so loved us that he made us anyway, knowing how man would be, knowing how this would all unfold. He had the foreknowledge of it all. Yet in the beginning, he loved us so much that he created it all anyway.